Uh, but we'll try to stick by that and go through that. And again, if there's any questions or anything that you need to, to ask, please feel free to do so. And we'll, uh, or anything you want to add. Uh, it, it's, you know, I'm, I like discussions and, and, uh, and whatnot. So if we'll just uh, open our Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans was, um, was a church that, that we're really not sure how it got started. The, the, the main idea behind the, the origination of, of the book of Romans was that after Pentecost, uh, there, there were, you remember at Pentecost, there were people from all over the world that had come to Jerusalem for, that, for the feast, and, uh, and, and they went back to their own worlds. They, went, they, uh, they dispersed and went back. The theory is, the idea is that, that some Jews from Rome were at Pentecost. They took the word back and began to teach or began to preach the, the, the gospel of Christ as, as presented by Peter and in, in his sermon his, uh, at Pentecost. And then the church grew from there. Rome, you remember, at this time, this was the height of the Roman Empire. This was called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Rome was at peace with everybody for, for, you know, for such an odd time in, in Rome's history. Uh, but it was, they had expanded beyond any imagination. They had taken over the entire Mediterranean they had taken, you know, they had gone into, into Germania and, and uh, into Gaul and even, even into Britain uh, by that time. Um, Julius Caesar went into Britain and, and got whipped and, and had, to, had to retreat from it. But then after that, there was another, uh, you know, legion that went into Rome, I mean, into, into Britain. And uh, so they were at the height of their, their, uh, their existence at this point. It, 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 they owned the world basically. So what did Rome do? Rome unified the world, basically. The main thing in the Roman Empire, the one, that, the, one of the things that, that, that established Rome as an effective empire was their road system. They didn't just travel into a country on dirt roads and, and leave it alone or, or isolated themselves. They connected every place, every province that they had with some type of Road. Why was that important? It made it easier for people to move around. They, there are still parts of Europe now where you can find the Roman roads. And, and you know, in this expression that all roads lead to Rome, at that point it was true. All roads came back to, to Rome. So the, Rome was, was so very important in, this, you know, in, the, in the expansion of the Christian faith because it made it easier for them to go there. Now, this is... Yeah, that was, it. <laughs> that was it. So Paul did not establish. Paul, this is one of the churches that we read about in the New Testament that Paul did not establish. Um, he heard about it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. He wanted to go visit it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he did not establish this church. But he knew about it. He had heard about it. It was established with both Christians, I mean with both uh, Gentiles and Jews. I would imagine, and, and you know, we don't know this, the, the exact makeup of it or anything else, but I would imagine that there would be more Jews than there would be Gentiles at this point because the Jews brought it back. Now, societal Rome, you, you had two, or well, you had more than two, but the two that we want to talk about are the citizens of Rome, the Roman people, 
and the Jews. And there the twain shall meet. They, they, the Jews looked down on the, on the Gentiles. The Gentiles looked down on the, on the Jews. They, weren't, they, they just didn't get along. But this was the environment that the church of, the, that the church of Christ was, found itself in in Rome. And when we talk about the church, we're probably talking about, or not probably, we are talking about many different home churches or churches in the home. Because this, the, the church at this time, at the time Paul was writing this, which is about mid-50s, uh, mid to late 50s, <coughs> mid to late 50s uh, A.D., of course. But uh, it, it, the, 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 the church was looked upon not as a church necessarily, but as a sect of the Jewish church. They were, they were sometimes referred to as Jewish Christians. Or, or, you know, Jews who followed Christ. So they were, they were sort of looked on as, you know, from within the Jewish community as, as, a, as an outlaw brand <laughs> over here, uh, 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 something that, that they didn't, that the, the main body didn't approve of, but that they were an offshoot of the Jewish church. So it, was, it wasn't until later that they became known as Christians. And, and, and as the church was separated from, from the Jewish church. But they were teaching and preaching the gospel of Christ. And that was, that was what separated them from this, because you remember the Jews did not recognize, did not recognize uh, any of the uh, apostles as being true disciples of, of, of God, of Yahweh. Okay? So that's sort of the background for the Jewish church. Steve, you look like you want to ask a question. Nope. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you're the one. You're, you, you've got that face that makes me wonder, did I say something wrong? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You know, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So at any rate, uh, the, 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 this is the one that, that, again, that Paul finds himself in. <clears throat> um, who has Romans 1, 1 8, if you would, and 1 13? So 1 8 first and then 1 13. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Okay, 1 13. Okay, so we see in these two verses that Paul, while he didn't establish the church, he knew about it. He had heard about it. He had heard about the, 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 what they were doing in Rome, and he wanted to come see them. It's pretty well thought of at this point that Paul had never visited Rome, but Paul was, you remember, a Roman citizen. Why is that important? Why was being a Roman citizen Better than not being a Roman citizen. Well, gave him certain rights that exactly. Rights legal, exactly. He was he was in this hierarchy up here. He was a Roman citizen, even though he was a Jew. 
he was a Roman citizen, so he could travel extensively without, without you know, being restricted or, or anything else. He could, be, he could request, and he did, if you remember, request a, a, a trial from Caesar in Rome, uh, you know, and, and that, that worked out pretty well for him the first time around. And, you know, so he was a Roman citizen, and, and, but he had heard of, but he, chances are he had never been there because he so looked forward to going, going to Rome. Um, he probably, Paul probably wrote this letter while he was on his third missionary journey and while he was in Corinth. Uh, the, the references, and we won't go into all of that uh, while it is, but the, the references throughout his epistles indicate that he was in Corinth when he wrote this letter. He had heard about him. He wanted to go visit him. So he, he decided that, that, you know, this is, what, this is what he would, you know, this is what he would do. Now, who was Paul? Paul was the guy, you remember, of course, who was a, was a Jew of Jews, according to his own, you know, Hebrew of Hebrews, according to his own words. He was brought up in the faith. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was an extraordinary teacher at that time. Uh, he was the, 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 the Pharisee of Pharisee, if you would. He was, he was well established in the Jewish church. Uh, he, could have, he could have stayed and, and probably risen in the Jewish hierarchy without any, without any problem at all. He was a persecutor of the Christians. You remember he was there when Stephen was stoned. And he, uh, he encouraged this. He was on his, and he, and he went for, in Jerusalem taking out the Christians out of the, the believers out of their houses and, and, you know, doing all kind of nasty things to them and, and this sort of thing. He was on his way to Damascus, and there's where Jesus found him. Actually, he found Jesus there. <laughs> but he came to him, of course, and, and, and uh, everything changed. So what does this tell you about Paul? Paul wasn't trusted anymore by the Jews because he had deflected. Defected. Not deflected. Defected. <laughs> he had... You know, he had, he had gone over to their side. He had gone over to the dark side. So therefore, he, you know, he was an outcast there. Well, what was the reaction, you know, when, when, the, angel, or when the angel said, go into the city and, and, and see this, uh, this particular person in Damascus? What was that particular person's reaction when he was told that, that Paul was coming? So, oh, no. Not, no, not in my house. Not me. Not no, uh-uh. You know, he had heard about all that Paul had done. So, so Paul was distrusted initially by the Jews and by the Gentiles. Uh, he was, you know, he was right there in the middle. Of course, as he progressed and as he, as he maintained, you know, his, his gospel, he, uh, he, they began to accept him. But Paul was perhaps the greatest, not perhaps, the greatest missionary of all time. Paul was a mighty warrior of God. He was a mighty prayer warrior. He, he was single-minded, is the way one of the commentary described him. What was he single-minded on? What was he focused on more than anything else? The spreading of the gospel. Everything he did was with that in focus. When he was in jail and, 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 and the, the chains fell off and the lights opened and the doors opened, what did he do? He sat there. <laughs> he waited until the jailer got back because he knew the jailer would be put to death if they walked out. 
And he didn't. And then what was the result of that? He witnessed to the jailer. That was his focus. He was a compassionate person. He didn't want, you know, he, he was just a mighty man of God. And, and, and he, you know, he was brilliant. He had an iron will and a compassionate heart. And we see that throughout Scripture. He was not to be, to be swayed around any, anything else. Who has, uh, who, who did I give the uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28? This tells us a little bit about Paul. Shirley, would you mind reading it? This was Paul. This was his story. And all of these things, and yet, to the very day of his death, he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He wrote Timothy his last letter, or the, what we think was his last letter, and he explains his feelings and, and, and all that he had done. He said, I'm like a drink offering being poured out. You know, no one is here with me now except for Luke and, and Mark and, and, you know, and so on. And, and at the time of his death, he still was trying to teach Timothy about the gospel. So this is the Paul that comes to Rome, or that's going to visit in, in, in Rome. Now, when we think of Rome, uh, the book of Rome, Romans, what do we think of as the, uh, as the, the theme, if you would, of Rome, of, of the book of Romans? Somebody read, <laughs> if you would, 1, 16 and 17. Righteous shall live by faith. That's the theme of this of the of the book of Romans. The, the Gentiles had their multiple gods, you know, and, and all of them had a different purpose, and they, they prayed to each each different deity for each different purpose that they had. The Jews had Yahweh, you know, and and so here we are, this this melding together of this. Both the Jews and the Gentiles were, of course, wrong in their thinking because they didn't see, the Jews didn't see Christ in there. And of course, we don't have to explain about the, the, the Romans, how wrong they were. The Jews rejected Christ and, and therefore they were, they were condemned also. So these two people, these two groups of people come together 
in, in, in one body and they try basically to, to meld together, if you would, a church that is, that is oneness, the, 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 the unity of the church that Paul talks about so often was just not there in the beginning. So Paul is writing to them to correct some situations and to teach some things about them. They knew, he knew the Roman church was a vibrant place. It was, Rome was a vibrant city at that time. It was, it was evil, of course, but, you know, it was, it was uh, the, the center of, of learning. Uh, it was the center of everything that was there. So, if you look at your, if you look at your outline, the theme, of course, is the just shall live by faith and by faith alone. That's what, that, as we go. So, somebody... If you would, uh, they break it down. Righteousness of each of us is demanded by God. He said, be ye righteous as I am righteous, or be ye holy as I am holy. So he, you know, so the Gentiles are guilty. Who has Romans 1, 18 through 32? What is he saying there? Paul is saying that, you know, everyone can see God. Everyone can look at his creation and see God. So therefore, Gentiles, you are not excused for not believing. 
Now, this is the, this is the, the um, uh, I forget the name of the revelation that they call that. It is uh, natural. natural revelation. Thank you. This is the one that you look at the stars, you know, behold the glory of God. When you look at the, when you, you know, the psalmist writes about the, the heavens and, and, you know, and all of these things, and you can see the glory of God. Is it any wonder that every civilization that has ever existed has had some form of deity worship of some kind or the other? Uh, the, the, uh, all of them. I mean, every, you know, every, the Native Americans, the, the Incans down in, in, in South America, the Aztecs, all of them had some form of deity worship because there's a hole in our soul when it comes to, to, to Christ and, and to God and, and only God can fill that hole. And, and so he's saying to the Gentiles, you are guilty. You, you worship the creature rather than the creator. And, and, and that is just, you know, and, and every, every society that didn't know Christ did the same thing. They worshiped the creature. The, the, the Egyptians worshiped birds and frogs and, and all of the above things, you know, and, and the Nile River and the, every one of them had a God for something or the other, and, and all, you know, so, so Gentiles, you are not, you are, you are condemned, and very well, and we know that, but not only you, Gentiles, the Jews are also condemned. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 and 8, I believe it is. 1 through 3. Did I not get that one out to anybody? <laughs> okay, then, I'll, then if somebody would turn to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Right, therefore, Thank therefore you. you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on, on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. You suppose, O man, you who judge those who Okay, and, and verse 8, if you would. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Okay, so here he's talking more to the Jews than the others. So the Gentiles are guilty, the Jews are guilty, because they've not recognized the Christ. They've had his word preached to them, and they have rejected him. So the, the Jews as a whole, the Gentiles as a whole, they're all guilty. So the, the whole world or everything in it then is guilty. Someone read 3, 9 through 20.
So there again, it's just, you know, everyone is guilty. He's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles and saying basically everyone, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. And, it, and it's, it's, you know, none of us can, can claim to be any better than anybody else because we're all, you know, given to our own we would be vile human beings, vile, and, and you know, you, words can't describe it somehow. But there is hope, and there is a process, uh, there is a, not a process, but there is a, a, a way, if you would. And that way is, is salvation, of course. Um, he talks in chapters uh, 3, 4, and 5 about, about justification and, and righteousness and so on and so forth. So if, who has 3, 21 through 31? Okay, thank you. So what is justification? It is, a, it is a legal term which says you're not guilty. And not only are you not guilty, you are righteous. You are holy. So when God says, be ye holy, he says, be justified. And, and, and justification comes only through Christ. So this, again, this is what Paul is trying to get them to see all of us are guilty, but all of us can be forgiven. And that forgiveness comes through faith in, in Jesus Christ. Okay, so he goes on in chapter 4 uh, then to explain about Abraham. He said, you know, Abraham was the father. He was the, he was the patriarch, basically, you know, from the Old Testament who, you know, God told him to do something. He did it immediately. He, he left. He, he, you know, he left his, uh, the land of Ur and went to, to different places that God told him to do this. Was, was Abraham righteous? No. When he got to Egypt, he, he told Sarah, look, pretend to be my sister. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want you to be my wife because the guy might kill me and take you. You know, so, so you go ahead and, you know, was that right? No. And not only one he did it once, he did it twice. You know? And, and you know, and, and when it didn't look like God was going to fulfill his promise to Abraham, what did he do? He took Hagar. And, of course, we blame that on Sarah, but that's, you know, <laughs> we men blame that on Sarah. Uh, but, but he took her, and, and, you know, Ishmael was a result of that, and we all see what happens, what had happened in the Middle East with that. So it, it, it was, you know, so Abraham was not a, you know, was not this, this righteous person. But what made him righteous in God's eyes? Faith. His faith, you know. And that's, what, that's where the Jews could understand then that, that this happened. Abraham was justified, was proclaimed righteous before the Ten Commandments. 
before circumcision, before any of the precepts that the Jews held on to so mightily in, in, in hopes that it would make them holy, before any of those things happened, he was proclaimed righteous. So that ought to tell them something. I'm sure, it, I'm sure some of them said, whoa, I didn't realize that before. You know, that this is the way, this is what God does. So the righteousness came by faith. And, and, and you know, and this is, the, the, again, the, the, the lesson in, uh, in, in chapter 4 with, with justification. Uh, someone read, if you would, Genesis 15, 6. I gave that out earlier. Through his belief, and again, this must have just shaken the Jews in, in, in the church to, you know, to no end, to understand that their faith, that their, that their patriarch, that they, the one that they, they claimed to be sons of Abraham, Abraham was proclaimed righteous by faith, not by fulfilling all of the ceremonial uh, sacrifices and not by uh, you know, keeping the Ten Commandments and not by obeying the, the Jewish laws and, and these kinds of things, but by faith. And that's the point that, it, that, 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 he's, trying to get, that he's trying to get across to them. Um, and, and someone else, if you would, not only Abraham, but someone else read um, 5.18, Romans 5.18. Paul goes all the way back to Adam and talking about, you know, Adam, the first man. And, and I'm sure the Jews thought the first Jew, <laughs> you know. But the first man, through Adam, sin came into the world. But through Christ, righteousness came into the world. It was restored. So, so the, the first Adam failed. The second Adam didn't. The second Adam succeeded in keeping the commandments and in doing the, the, the things that he was supposed to. So in, in going on then in chapter 6, we see that, that, that you know, Paul goes on to say that, that we don't have to be a slave to sin anymore, that we have a way out and can resist sin through the power of the Holy Spirit or with the power of the Holy Spirit, with belief in Christ. It doesn't mean that we will not sin again. We all know that. We all know that. We are all still sinners. And, and if we didn't have Christ in our lives, we would be condemned as, you know, as we should be. Uh, so we were all sinners. But, but the, the, the living, the sanctification of our bodies and our souls then begins at justification and then continues. He goes on in chapter 7 to read that the, you know, the law is good, the law is, should not be discarded. The law should be followed, but we can't follow it. We couldn't follow it for, for 2,000, 4,000 years before Christ, and we can't follow it for 2,000 years after him. But, you know, but the law is good, and we should still strive to keep the law. Someone read 7, 19, and 20. no longer 
within me. Isn't that great? You know, he goes on to say, you, you know, later, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, you know, he, he, wants, <clears throat> he wants to do the things, he, you know, he should do, but he can't. It's, it's, it's a sin life that lives on in him. Wouldn't it have been fantastic? We wouldn't even have to evangelize if, if, if when we became a Christian, sin left us completely. You know, all we'd have to do is live. And people would see that difference and see that, that, that wow, and what a difference, you know. And, and as I said, we wouldn't have to send out evangelists. We wouldn't have to send out missionaries. We'd just be, but it's not so. We still, and Paul says in other places, that it's, it's the old man and the new man. And they're fighting and they're fighting and they're fighting constantly. And, you know, and, and, and you know, it's just, uh, it's just that way. It's just that, that, that thing. There's only one thing that can keep us from this, and we see that in chapter 8, and it's the beautiful chapter on no condemnation, no fear, no separation from God. 8, 38, and 39. Amen. If we didn't have that, what would we have? You know, <laughs> what would be our, where would our hope lie if we, didn't, if we didn't have that? So there's no condemnation and nothing can separate us from the, law, from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Paul had said earlier, you know, or in, in another, another place, that, that uh, for the things I do, I don't do. For the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I want to do, I, I can't. I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save us from this, from this situation? Only Christ. And, and you know, so this is his, this, these again. Now, we've reached the, <clears throat> the, the end of the first part of it. He, Paul has laid out doctrine after doctrine after doctrine, and it's, it's just a, a beautiful uh, presentation of the, of the faith that, that we should have in in Christ. In, in chapters 9 and 11, or through 11, he talks about, again, the, the, uh, the, 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 the righteousness de- declined in the sovereignty of God. Someone read verse 5 in, in chapter 9. I'm not sure I had that one on the list. 9-5, if someone would read that. And this is Israel's riches. This is the richness of the Jewish people. They had the word. They had the truth. They didn't recognize it. Now, before we condemn them so hard on this, would we have? And I don't think we would have. I think we, you know, I know I would have probably been right there in the middle of them, you know, worshiping the law, not the lawgiver. And, and you know, and, and that sort of thing. So Israel had that. But they were rejected. Someone read 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No question about it. No question about it. You will be saved. And, and so 
in chapter 11, we see that, that Paul is pointing out that, that while, while we did everything we could to separate ourselves from God, God never separated himself from us. God always had his remnant, and he will always have his remnant, and, and he would restore uh, his people, his people, Israel, the church uh, there. So he, again, going into chapter, chapters 12 through the end of the book, he talks about each other or, or us as, as Christians as, as re, and our relationship with each other and within the church. God established three institutions, and in, in this, this we see in chapter 13, uh, but we'll go, we'll, anyway, three, three institutions, the home, the government, and the church. And, and a lot of us don't like the fact that he established a government, but he did. <laughs> he appoints our rulers. And we don't like that either, but he, he did. He does. And, and, you know, and it's all for our good. We're hard to understand that too, but, but it happens. So in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, someone read that. Present your bodies as a holy sacrifice, equipped for service. That, that's just, you know, again, we're, Paul is trying to get them to, you know, trying to get them to understand we have been saved. We have been chosen. We have been the ones that God loves. Present that then and show that as, as, as who we really are. In, in uh, chapter 13, as I said, talks about the relationship between the three. And in chapter 14, he talks about the, um, the weaker believers. Someone read, uh, well, we won't read all of chapter 14, but, uh, <laughs> but they talk about that. If anything makes your brother stumble, don't do it. You know, be aware of, of your other uh, of your other. Uh, of your other uh, brothers. Receive one another. The differences in the, in the culture spills over into the church. And Paul is saying, don't let that happen. There's neither, you know, there's neither Jew or Gentile, male or female, uh, slave or free, so on and so forth. We are all one in him. And if God accepts him, if Christ accepts him, who are we to reject them? And if another believer comes in, receive him as, as your own, as the one that, 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 you know, equal to yourself and so on. And again, you remember that both the Jews and the Gentiles had this superiority complex, you know. So the second, you know, the, the, the other, you know, the thing that he builds, he says, build up one another. Build up one another. Listen to one another. Don't continuously cut everybody down as, as the circumcised or the uncircumcised because it doesn't matter. We are to build each other up. Years ago, there was a book called uh, One Another, 
and I think it was by Getz, I'm not sure, uh, not Matt, but uh, Getz. The, uh, and it talked about the phrase one another and how many times it's used in the Bible. It's love one another, accept one another, uh, build, you know, build up one another, and so on and so forth. Excellent book because it talks about each one of those things for the, now I don't even know if it's still in, in, in print, but, it's a, but it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good study, a good book on that because, you know, and then, and then please one another. Do the things, don't do the things that you know are gonna irritate somebody else, but do the things that you know that are gonna be satisfying to someone else. So that brings us then down to the conclusion or to the end of this, and that's in chapters 15 and 16, and we're not gonna read the entire thing on that either. But this is the closing benediction that Paul gives to the, to the, to the Romans. It's the longest one he, he wrote. Uh, and, and in conclusion, uh, you know, and, and then he went on. But he explains, uh, it, it reflects his, his ministry to the Gentiles and, and to, to what he was, uh, uh, his purpose there was for. If you have a chance sometime, read through it. It's really, it's really, really neat. The book of Romans, Romans is an exceptional book. It, it is a powerful book. Um, we don't do it justice by giving it an over, overview like this, but it would, take, <laughs> it, would, it would take our home group about three, two years to go through it. So. But it, it was, uh, it, it's, it's just really, really uh, a fantastic book. Um, Paul, as I said, was probably, was the greatest missionary of all times. And this was his focus. To join, in, to join the people of different backgrounds, of different experiences, of different cultures, of different everything, into one church, the, the new nation of Israel. And, and that's, what, you know, that's, that's what he was trying to do. Any questions or comments? Anything? Anything? Anybody? Yes, absolutely, they did. Uh, you know, Peter went to Rome after, after this, and Peter worked in Rome in, within the church for, the long, for a very long time. The persecution of the Christians uh, began in, in, during the reign of Nero, Nero, and, you know, when he blamed them for burning down, the, uh, burning down Rome while he was playing his fiddle. But he, but uh, you know, so the church was did become solidified. They did become, uh, and that's where, of course, the yeah, <laughs> and that's where the, the you know the the Roman Catholic Church says that Peter was their first pope, you know, and so therefore you know that was they they trace their beginning back to that. So obviously, you know, it it, it became a, a a light. They were the ones that Paul was talking about when he says thank you for. Your, your contribution to the church, to the saints in Jerusalem, you know, and, and so on. So they were, they did. I mean, obviously, when Paul, and, and Paul visited them one time, you know, well, both times in chains. He was put to death there in Rome from what we understand also. But the first time he was, you know, he was released. The, if you read the book of Acts toward the end of it, you'll see where he was in chains in Rome under house arrest. So anything else? Shorter, the rise of Christianity, and one is kind of his magnum opus, the 
Outstanding. Very good. Very good. So I told you if you just had a question, ask Joel. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else on that? Okay, then that's, that's it. I appreciate y'all being here. And um, Steve, could we get you to close us in prayer, please, sir?